welcome to the water cooler for 2019. Yeah. Thank you so much for making it out here on Valentine's Day. If you celebrate that, and if you're awfully single like me, we'll just pretend it's a non-event. <laughs> I am Todd, and I will be hosting the evening tonight for the Secret Lives of Drag. I'm also the co-producer of the water cooler, along with Alice Kirka, who was just hanging out there. She's a gem of a woman, everybody. Um, but the most exciting main attractions of this evening are Dan Bent. Hello. Hey. <laughs> and Siobhan Aborealis. Hello. 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 He kept calling me all sorts of funny things. At one point he called me a mummy. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. And yeah, maybe I did. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, if none of you have been to the water cooler before, we are a storytelling event. And tonight our things are all about uh, how these two wonderful human beings find the art of drag and all of that kind of magical stuff. So, without further ado, I'm going to have a wee chat to Dan V. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, I'm actually kind of a shy person, weirdly. Um, quite an extrovert on stage, I suppose, but I get crazy nervous in front of a crowd, which is, okay. like, as me. Like, I feel like when I'm Drew Blood, it's completely different. Right. But, yeah, um, my heart is racing. So this is one hundred yeah. percent. This is like your absolute worst nightmare. It absolutely is, but you know, like when you asked me, like I was talking to my friends, and they were like, "Take it on as a challenge. You can do it. Like mm -hmm. if you face your fears, you're just like one step closer to like getting rid of them." Yes. You know, like so. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get there, and this will get easier over time. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. these guys look pretty friendly, so Yeah, they like... did. Yeah, I feel safe, so thank you, you're a very warm audience. <laughs> it's also just really warm, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do you do for your day job? So, um... I, well, there are many answers to this. Um, I am a painter, uh, cool. I, I do portraits. There's actually one here um, of one of the founders of Kaluzi. It's around the corner, you'll see it later, it's fine. Um, so I do that and that I suppose is my dream. Um, I'll accept any work creatively uh, that I can, but uh, to support that I do a lot of part-time work. I, uh, I belong to a temping agency, right. uh, so I do a lot of hospitality, and uh, I also look after a kid who has autism twice a week. Oh, cool. Yeah. And is that, like, that must be a challenging but rewarding situation? Yeah, it is. Um, well, it is and it isn't. Like, uh, I've been working for, with him for about eight years now. Mm -hmm. So it's gotten to a point where um, there's less me teaching him anything mm -hmm. and it's more that I'm there to support him as a friend and um, somebody to talk to. Um, yeah, so that's kind awesome. of where we're at there. Yeah. And in terms of the taping stuff, what has been your literal worst 
time. All of it, all of it. I, <laughs> I absolutely hate it, and I find myself sometimes just getting so stressed because, like, it's the worst. Like, when I'm working, that's when my mind is like artistic overdrive, mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking all of, the, of all of these new things I would like to do and try, and it exhausts me as well. So I come home from work and I'm like, I'm not really in the creative zone right now. Uh, and then it sort of ends up like, if you have too much work, um, you have no time to do art. And if you don't have enough work, you have no money to do art. And sometimes you just feel like um, you're working and the money is just going into supporting this stupid job that you hate and yeah. I'm just like spending all my money on living just so that I can keep being a barista or something that I don't care about. Yeah, yeah. One, absolutely 100% me as well. I'm temping at the moment as a receptionist administrator situation and the bullshit, the yeah. extra bullshit and then yeah. people like some Yes, great <laughs> sister. Like, like this guy came up the other day and was like, "Oh, I need you to order a headset and um, like this stuff for me." And I was like, "Cool." Um, so it's gonna take three or four days. He's like, "Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow uh, to do this big international work trip." And I'm like. Literally, how long has this been planned? Like, you didn't just book these flights. I can't, I literally can't. I know, yeah. That being said, I'm really grateful that I, like, you know, like, I am. Like, I, like you need money. It's yes. crazy, it's horrible, it's yeah. the worst thing. But you need it. Okay, you're true. I, I appreciate that my job pays my bills. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, so, but in terms of your like, journey with drag, how did that start for you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, when I was a kid, I loved Halloween. I, I, I loved, like, special effects makeup. Like, I remember um, the first time I did my own makeup and I was the Terminator. And I gave myself, like, a really realistic bloody scar. And I was just, like, so, like, impressed with myself. <laughs> Um, and then I was like vampires and like I was like really nailing this technique for fake blood and like yeah yeah so I, I think um, I've always been a fan of dress-ups my primary school used to do this really cool thing um, like they'd put on like little school balls um, and I remember there was one called the ugly bug ball <laughs> and my dad helped me make this costume um, it was made out of like um, carpet, like whatever they put under the carpet, underlay, <laughs> and he basically just like folded it and stapled it so that I could put it over my head, and then I painted it with like a face. I couldn't see out of it, but I loved it so much. Like, just like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know where that story was going, but like, I've always loved dressing up, even if I can't see out of it, I suppose. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I guess like, um, that's what I love about drag. Like, I can put on a dress and it's not drag. Mm -hmm. It's like when I put on a dress and I feel the fantasy. It's like, I think that's what drag is, is when, when, you, when you wear something and it, it elicits this, um, yeah, absolute performance. Wonderful, that's so cool. Yeah. And did you, it was a, like in terms of your artistry developing, in terms of painting and stuff like that, do you, is that, a creative outlet for you doing drag and 
Yeah, yeah. I've I've uh, I've also done acting. Um, yeah, I I will say yes to um, any anything creative. Really, with acting, it's a lot different because you're not really in charge of whether you do it or not. You have to audition and then you get accepted. Mm -hmm. um, unless you're a talented writer, then I suppose you can create your own work. But largely with acting, you depend on other people to put you in a place where you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with drag, um, it's, it's kind of like an easy vessel to create your own shows. Well, I, I find it like very accessible. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So it's, it's an avenue for you to still be able to be performing and not have to rely on anyone to cast you in anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And in terms of your story that you're about to tell us, is there anything we need to know before you go into it? Uh, just that like, I didn't know what to say and I sort of like just began this stream of consciousness that sort of spirals seemingly into like, I, I don't know what, but um, just stick with me. <laughs> And uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, when are you reading? Okay, sure. I'm gonna be reading it off my phone just because, like, I'm very nervous. So, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> if you have something to say, then say it. If you have a feeling that you want to express, then why don't you share it? Seems simple enough. When I was a child, my voice was made fun of a lot. I was quite effeminate, and they said that I spoke with a very babyish voice. I was teased for it. My dad hated it. So I became afraid of talking to adults. I was incredibly aware of how much I was being judged. But I wanted to be an actor. I loved the idea of having a stage, a place to speak where people would listen. I didn't care if they were my words or not. In fact, I liked the idea of being somebody else for a while. In my first year at primary school, uh, my year was doing a production of Barnabas the Bear, and they needed a Barnabas. Nobody volunteered, and I thought that I should be the one to play Barnabas, but I was too afraid to talk to my teacher, and so they gave the role to somebody else. I was devastated, <laughs> even though I never put myself up for the role. I was cast as a tree, and in that role I managed to upstage for a short time with a little dance, which people remembered, and I was cast as Danny in an unlicensed homage to Greece. <laughs> it was meant to be super cute, little kids trying to be badass for a few numbers in Greece. The teachers thought it would be funny to get me to sing live, because my voice being so high-pitched so on the day, they only had an instrumental version of the song Greased Lightning, and they asked me to sing it live, which I did. It was horrible. <laughs> Everybody laughed at me, and the fact that I was taking the role so seriously made it funnier. <laughs> uh, so everybody thought that I was in on it, but I wasn't, and it was hugely scarring. Defining. <laughs> but hugely scarring. I grew up with two brothers, one older and one younger. And when we played, there was a hierarchy. So 
My older brother always wanted to play the hero, so he won that role. I got to be the villain, and my little brother, well, he was like a henchman or a victim. <laughs> but I, I had huge sympathy for villains, and um, I found that in their mind, they were the hero, and it was the hero that was the bad guy. That brings me to Drew Blood, my drag character. She is an interdimensional demonic witch. <laughs> Let's make a deal, she says to me. Now, what would you ask for? Maybe a little confidence? Or are you thinking too small? Do you want fame, notoriety, money? Maybe you just want a voice. What are you going to say? You want to make art? What are you going to make? You want beauty? What is that? You want eternal youth? Well, time is an illusion. You want immortality? Death is an illusion too. Do you even need Drew Blood? Well, I thought that I did. When I was asked to speak here tonight, I was thinking, I need to do this in drag. I was terrified of speaking as me, Dan, because I was thinking, what, what can he say that's interesting? Who is Dan? Well, I'm a painter. I paint portraits of people. And when you're portraying someone, it's really quite impossible. Everything you do is a part of you. A portrait of somebody else is still a portrait of you. It's your understanding of somebody else through the lens of you. Drew Blood is a reflection of me. She is a hero and she is a villain. She is life and she is death. She is a fountain of blood in the shape of me. How do I view life? I see the universe as one entity, which is a very lonely thing, just one entity. There are enormous and magnificent titans in this universe that expands more than you and I can comprehend. Suns, black holes, galaxies, things bigger that we can't see for how small we are. They can't experience the wonder of themselves. We are covered in nerves that can feel the sun. We are filled with emotions to allow the universe to experience itself. We are here to wonder. We are here as taste buds for the universe, which flare and die. If you think of the universe as air, you could think of us as bubbles of that air with a sense of individuality until we pop and become the universe again. Within this individuality, we give that lonely universe a little bit of fantasy. I used to be a storm that raged for seven years on Jupiter just to, to forget a previous life. I have been a deep sea shellfish. I have lived and died alone. I have known nothing but emptiness. And I have known nothing but overpopulation. Drew blood is everything. Where is she taking me? What is she? Who am I? Am I just you in a different body? I'm obsessed with gothic horror. What is it about that? Werewolves, zombies, vampires, ghosts, demons? They all share transformation. And sometimes I transform into Drew Blood. But why? Something else they share. They all make you one of them. What is drag? 
I can't answer because she exi exists outside of my human understanding. Drew blood. Maybe she's in you too. I was walking down the street yesterday and I saw a woman in a red dress. She is moving art. She smiles as she passes me. She could see how the dress envelops me. Art doesn't have to mean something specific. It can just be beautiful. Art means something regardless. Art means everything to me. I cry. I sit down, grass pressed, sunlight over my closed eyelids, open legs, clouds passing, shadows, insects, sex, sweat collecting under knees, birds, cars, construction. I'm thirsty. I want my boyfriend. He's overseas for seven months, and I want to be with him forever. I'm falling backwards through the earth. Everything is expanding and collapsing around me infinitely. There is so much left to be said. It would be so nice to show the universe my love for this human being. I want to show the universe that it can love itself. It already knows it can hate itself. I know that I can be anyone, but it's okay to be me. And you can be you. You can make art yourself. You can make yourself art. In drag, we create who we are. For example, a lip sync. We take a recording and we make a portrait of ourselves. We might give a song a new meaning, explore ourselves through somebody else. Acting is portraiture. Acting a character is forming a relationship with somebody else. And in any relationship, you learn more about yourself than you do about the other person. Drew Blood is a fascinating study into who I am. A self-portrait. A portrait of things and people I find inspiring, beautiful, smart, fortunate. Things I cling to. Drew Blood makes me so uncomfortable. And I can't wait for the next time to become her. And once I am her, I'll be gasping to shake her off again. I can never do her justice with my makeup. I can never pull myself together enough to live up to the vision or understanding of her. I need to throw myself away, truly, to let her live. But she knows that. And that's all part of her contract with me. The deal with my demon. Knowledge, power, money, fame. She dangles these things before me, lets me have them for a time. She lets me sample her wares before I sign my life away. But she needs me, too. She likes to sample my wares, too. She needs a human host to speak, to express, to feel. But that's another story, and I can't tell you that part. She needs a human host. Maybe you'll get to see that one day. Maybe you'll get to experience that yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was yeah. so cool. And um, insane. Not quite sure where to start, but <laughs> a few things jumped out of me. Um, amazing story. Um, the thing that leaped out to me in the beginning was the idea around um, modulating your voice and like being classed as maybe being too feminine as you were growing up and stuff like that. Yeah. I find that such an interesting thing because I 
my voice is just my voice, right? But as a gay man, I have a certain cadence and, and pitch and stuff like that. And depending on who I'm talking to, or where I am, it will change that I feel like it's fitting in or safer or something like totally. that. Totally. And you get that with like hospitality, like yeah. you go in and check on somebody and you're like, is everything all right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Your voice just like rises eight octaves. Like, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's really weird. Like I used to work at the warehouse and when I would deal with female customers, I'd be like, oh, hi, can I help you? At something like not wanting to be threatening or yeah. something. And then sometimes I do ticketing stuff and I was at this rally event and I was like, Someone asked about you, I was like, oh yeah, mate, uh, there we are, there we are. Oh, I have a class. <laughs> and then people go in and literally was like, who was that bitch? Yeah. <laughs> You were doing, you were doing drag. It's yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, the part that you said about being, um, I'm just you, but in a different body was, yeah. like, I was like, oh my, yeah, it's all That was like my little like existential kind of like positive nihilism thing that I, I don't know. As I said, I was just like writing these things and I was like uh, learning a lot about myself. <laughs> um, while I was writing about it, like uh, thinking about, about like um, the first um, production that my primary school ever did, like that was something that I hadn't thought about until you asked me to write a story. So, yeah, but, yeah but it totally makes sense that, like, wow, it just all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, the classic RuPaul says that we're all born naked and the rest is just drag, right? Yeah. And when you said that, I was like, literally everybody in this audience is me, but in a different body. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a good thing to think about, like, do unto others as you would have done to you. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, seven months without your boyfriend. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a big challenge that that we're uh, facing. Um, we've been together for one year, and um, he's he's in Shanghai, China, at the moment, and he's over there to study. And we sort of had this understanding that we might probably break up. Um, but we decided not to, and we were like, no, we can do this. Like, we've got this. And so many challenges have arisen. We, we were just like, we decided to be very open about it. Um, uh, if he has concerns or anything, or I do, we just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, which has also been quite difficult. Like, um, I, w I was, we were both entertaining the idea of like opening up our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but as that became a reality, we both freaked out. We're both quite jealous people. And right. we were like, oh, this relationship just wouldn't survive if we did that. Like, <coughs> yeah. There are so many things that we can't handle, and sleeping with other people is just like a huge like we we both wouldn't be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, I just know that we wouldn't. Um, How many months in are you to the seven month? Uh, well, also we're, we're, he's been away for two months. Okay. There's there's six months left because he actually left for a one month holiday with his family before then. So, so yeah, yeah. So there's six months left. 
Um, and it's Valentine's Day today! It totally is. Yeah. And you're here with us! Yay! Yeah. 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 Amazing. No. Um, I don't know how to We're all praying for you to pull through the same I Like, there was a part that I cut from the story. Yeah. Um, and I'll say it now, just because it didn't make sense with it kind of, I don't know, like, I'll, I'll just say it. Um, so like, okay, somebody asked me if I could bring somebody back from the dead, um, who would it be? And like, my thoughts on that is just that it's incredibly selfish to bring somebody else back from the dead. And I was just thinking like, me, like, I would like to like possibly die and then come back from it because like, like if, if you bring somebody else back from the dead I think that's very selfish because you don't know how far they've progressed you know like we have no spatial or like we have no understanding of anything past that they could be on like the 367th dead world and then you drag them back to their human form yeah. to earth Really? Then, like, I think wow. Wrong, I, yeah. I want to be here. Nobody asked me. Yeah. Literally, it's better than <laughs> But I, like, yeah, that was something that I put in the speech and then I took it out because, like, I was like, well, what does that have to do with drag? <laughs> but that was just something that I was thinking about when I was writing it. So, uh, yeah. Tangentially, to yeah. follow up what I was saying earlier, so what has Drew Blood taught you about you? Um, she just continues to teach me um, about myself. She makes me realize that like, I can put on my own shows. Um, she gives me something to do. <laughs> like, it's amazing like, just pouring creativity into Drew Blood and coming up with ideas. A lot of them never eventuate, but it's so entertaining for me to, to like, draw a costume that I would love to make. Um, that would require funding. <laughs> um, or just like come up with concepts of shows. Um, I, I can never really do her justice with my makeup. Mm -hmm. I can never really pull myself together to live up to who Drew, Drew Blood is to me or my understanding of her. Like, um, yeah. It, like sometimes like I'll have an idea for a show and even though like I don't have the resources, I'll still pull it together using cardboard and crepe paper. <laughs> and, and that's part of Drew Blood's charm. Like yeah. she is a very, um, I don't know, like I, I, I make a lot of my own costumes and a lot of it is made out of cardboard and crepe paper. <laughs> like, you gotta make it work. Yeah, you do have to make it work and yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, thank you so much for your story. No worries. Cool, we will see you shortly. Okay, all right, sounds good. All right, we're back. Oh my God, we're back. Hello, lovely. So you're, you originally were going to be called Chevron Alice. Chevron Alice, yes, uh, because I had a bit of a fascination with Alice in Wonderland and it was the whole idea of um, just being something extra and fantastical. Um, and I thought Chevron was just a bit of a um, ridiculous name to add to it. Uh, I think Chevron, Sh Chevron Chevy? There's a car called a Chevy or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe? and I, I hate cars, cars. I know nothing about them. Um, I've I've let my car get bonked a number of times. I don't have 
a particular uh, place in my heart for cars. So I Sorry, you said you, you let your car get bonked. Bonked, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it's, uh, it's uh, kissed a few uh, other cars. Or, uh, right. <laughs> it's kissed a few curbsides and uh, poles and parking garages. But I feel like there's a step up from like a kiss and then like a full bonk. It's like... <laughs> It, there, there's nothing that won't let me get a one on a fitness, but um, sis, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. literally me though. <laughs> like, <laughs> good lord. Um, and what? Where did the kind of passion for you to sort of start experimenting with drag come from? Uh, so that's sort of part of my story. So I don't want to give that okay, away well, too much. We can get yeah. into that later then. Yeah. Um, but I did, sorry, I didn't really finish your question. Uh, Siobhan Borealis. Um, so plenty of queens, they love to come up with this fantastical names. Um, the problem is I thought about the practicality of it is that, for example, like if Chevron Ellis, like if somebody yells Chevy or Chev, Chev across the room, <laughs> I, I won't know what that means. Like my name as a man is Sean. So I thought... Chevy, Chev, Siobhan. Siobhan is really... It's like basically the female version of Sean. And so I thought if that was yelled across a dark bar uh, with music <laughs> thumping, I'd turn my head. Um, so that's sort of out of practicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then Aborealis is because I didn't really know what kind of drag I necessarily would settle on or whether I would have a certain kind of drag that would define who I was. And so I thought if I chose a name like Aborealis, much like the Northern Lights there constantly shifting they're really beautiful but they're never the same mm-hmm. and they're just this spectrum of light and so I wanted to have access to presenting as a spectrum of drag and does that uh, that obviously then speaks to the styles of do you perform across styles of drag oh styles yes uh, across styles of drag yes so um, when I started I was very much uh, um, I was very into my pleather uh, into my vinyl um I love the really tall, high, like sort of like fuck me boots. Very into, much like any young queen, I thought that the best way to be a drag queen was to do sexy things. Because oh my god, a drag queen doing uh, sexy things is the most revolutionary idea. Ever. <laughs> but that, that's very much someone who's new to drag and uh, new to expressing their expressing their sexuality, and that's why a lot of young queens go for that because for them it's radical for them to express their sexuality on stage. Mm. It's radical for them to. Uh, wear these uh, really sexualized outfits because often for young queer youth they've had to repress their sexuality all through high school and all through uh, the times where their peers were forming their own understanding of their sexuality so uh, for something like drag which is a really uh, raw and self-controlled form of performance uh, they want to push all that out there and so I'd I'd almost guarantee that almost every drag queen goes through that sort of phase of their own drag and now the kind of drag that you mostly do? Uh, the kind of drag that I mostly do now is uh, more cabaret style, a lot more sequins. Uh, I look a lot prettier. I mean, tonight is a bit more of an exception. Um, I've gone for more of a 1920s look uh, with a wet under eye. Um, but I, as I've pushed myself to uh, last longer in drag and work more uh, in the drag industry in New Zealand, uh, the place where you find more bookings is in a place of older styles of drag, campier drag. And as much as I love a variety of styles of drag, everything from divine to filth queens to club kit, uh, 
I, I love all the styles, but I, I want to keep working. I want to have access to a stage. I want to have access to crowds. I want to make people happy and experience being in drag as much as possible. And so to do that and to keep doing that, uh, the drag that I mostly do now is the older style, more campy sequin style. To play to the market. Absolutely. Yeah. As, yeah. as with any art, uh, there is a certain style that is usually... Uh, uh, more commercial than yeah, others. for and sure. So uh, artists often will go for those. Yeah, totally makes sense. The, the producer part of my brain is like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, and in terms of, you were recently on the reality TV show, The House of Drag, right? Oh, yes, that thing. <laughs> that, that, I, that once upon a time I was, yes, yeah. that's correct. So um, how, how was that experience like for you? Was it interesting sort of getting kind of a, a look at how they create the real, reality show and sort of that kind of stuff? Or It was really fascinating because uh, I work in the media industry myself. I work for a TV company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see the final product and I'm always the one putting it to air. Um, and I've, I also study as a communication student. So I've written multiple essays on uh, reality television and I thought I knew everything about it. Uh, I chop up the episodes to put up to air often. Uh, but it was just, it was a whole other world being in front of the camera. Um, I mean, I've been on uh, normal sets for television productions and there's a lot of waiting, but God, there's even more waiting with reality TV. And uh, the thing they don't initially tell you is that the mics are always on <laughs> so we, we, we found that out later thankfully uh, the episodes are only 20 minutes long so they can't cram in any of the extra shady stuff we said behind the scenes <laughs> um, but uh, I was having I was having a good little kiki backstage during a photo shoot uh, episode with uh, some of the other queens and about halfway through uh, the producer came through and was like, oh, you, you girls know that uh, these microphones are always on and they're always recording, right? I was like, oh, oh that's lovely. I've been saying some rather interesting things about my boyfriend at the time. And, oh, uh, no. And, and discussing uh, very candidly my sexual health with others. Right. Um, <laughs> which is not something I'd signed up to share with uh, the rest of New Zealand and an international no. audience. I mean... 100% there's no worries there anyway so it no I, I, I'm very open about uh, talking about sexual health and all that sort of thing but mm. I the particular discussions I was having were yeah. not not intended for uh, potentially relatives to uh, watch on television oh yeah or listen to no uh, yeah I can't I cannot even imagine telling my mum that I go for regular sexual health checkups good lord that would just be a full situation. And then anything more detailed than that, she would die. Literally die. Good for you, Sheila, though, getting those checkups. Yeah. I mean, Sassy, you've got to be a responsible community member. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Do your service and also service your body. Find out. Mate, that is how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of your story that you're about to tell us, is there anything we need to know before you get into it? Um, so I, w- I was listening to some of your other... Um, podcast so I've done my homework yeah um and so there are some trigger warnings about uh suicide and mental health um, Cool. it's not going to be the happiest story um just a warning sweet okay well if um anything affects anyone and they feel like they need to just take some air then feel free to do that because the water cooler is super low key and other than that just get into it when you're ready 
Right, so I've got to start it off uh, so it's not so heavy. Uh, like, you know how you, when you have a coffee and they have the lovely little uh, poo de cow on top with, like, chocolate, and you're like, oh, this is so nice, and then you start drinking, it's burnt. Um, <laughs> my, my, my story's not going to be burnt, but it, it, it'll, it'll hit you a lot harder uh, than the little frothy bit I've got to start us off with. <laughs> So this is one of my uh, favourite quotes from a little movie some of you might know. Tu Wong Fu. Anyone know it? Uh, for the podcast, that's resounding silence. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, a, it's a movie about drag queens, blah, 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 men and wicks. Um, anyway, when a straight man puts on a dress and goes on a sexual kick, he is a transvestite. When a man is a woman trapped in a man's body and has a little operation, he's a transsexual. When a gay man has too much fashion sense for one gender, he is a drag queen. And when a tired little Latin boy puts on a dress, he is simply a boy in a dress. It's that lovely little quote from Noxima Jackson. Um, and I thought it might be a nice little light intro into why I do drag and why other people do drag. Uh, quite often, uh, like was just mentioned in the quote, um, people do drag because they, they just got too much fashion, they got too much glitter, they got a little bit too much sugar in their step for um, one gender. And that rings true for a lot of drag queens. But um, as with any uh, group of performers or comedians... Hi. Lovely <laughs> to meet you. Absolutely. Room for two more. Uh, for our podcast listeners, we've had two lovely individuals in matching tangerine shirts enter it uh, at a poignant moment in my tale. But I'm sure as they make their way to their seats, they'll be rather silent. Don't worry. So where was I? Uh, some people, they, they just love wearing sequin dresses. They're performers through and through. And that's fantastic. But then for other people, um, there's this... Um, they, w- they gain so much happiness from making other people happy. Uh, so to step out on a stage and elicit um, smiles to give people a break from that everyday um, nine to five, to create a little fantasy, whether that be comedy, whether that be theatre, whether that be drag, that brings a bit more light to their own form of darkness. And that's sort of uh, where my drag comes from because two years ago on the 8th of August uh, my high school sweetheart um, my boyfriend committed suicide and he had he had struggled for a long time with his mental health and had previous attempts but this was our first year of university this was our first year as a couple outside of high school we had gone beyond beyond that little fantasy realm of uh being kids in love uh we were gonna be adults we were we were really we 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 had real adult love um and we were gonna we thought we were gonna live our lives together um as you do at that age and one of those things that we would do together often is watch a show called drag race uh rupaul's drag race which is a very popular um reality television show and it was one of those things we entertained oh 
one day, one day we'll go out, like, we'll, we'll wear out a pair of heels, we'll go to family bar wearing awful, terrible wigs, and we'll just have the time of our lives. And so we never quite made it there, but we, we ended up, we went out and bought pantyhose, which was, for us, as uh, still very young gay men, was very exciting. We went into a women's department store, and we, we were looking around at these pantyhose, and we, we we never bought pantyhose before. What what do you need on a pantyhose? Do you need, do you wear nude? What's this seventy denier, sixty denier? Why does it cost Why does it cost twenty dollars to to buy a, a very thin pair of pants? <laughs> and and so we took our pantyhose and we took our um our cheap warehouse heels home with us, and we never even got as far as buying a dress for ourselves but we had these nasty cheap wigs and these these pantyhose and these uh, very squatty little heels much like what I'm wearing now um, <laughs> and what we'd do is after watching one of these episodes is of reality TV full of drag queens and glitter we'd feel our own fantasy we'd dance around the living room of our, our little apartment in these heels and pantyhose and we we thought we were stars. We were stars in our own eyes. And we were just thinking, what, what could it be if we stepped outside, uh, stepped out the door one night? Uh, but that night never happened because um, another night happened for him and he didn't, he didn't make it past that one. And so for me, I, I was at university and I was two-thirds of my way through a year I had I could either drop everything and spend the next few months in a slump I, what would I do I've I've had the man that I thought I might spend the rest of my life with I'm I'm wearing the ring today that I proposed to him with we proposed to each other yes I know it was it was young and dumb and perhaps even if we had lasted longer it wouldn't have resulted in marriage but at the time we thought we loved each other and we did love each other and now I was faced with the rest of my university, the rest of even the year, the rest of my papers, how, what the fuck was I gonna do? And I knew I, I, I would, I'd lose myself if I didn't keep going to university, if I didn't have something to keep me pushing forward. And the rest of that year, I was just so numb. I had so little to hold on to so I, I buried myself in my work and I turned up to university and people were like oh how are you are you okay like how are you doing like we're here, we're here for you and it was fantastic but I just felt like a shell like it, you when someone dies who's so close to you who's so young who takes their own life it you feel like the world should stop you want to yell and scream and say something is terribly wrong and and can't you all see it? And you feel so lonely because for me, this was the man that I thought I would spend the rest of my life with. And so in this time, I, the one thing that I ended up holding on to was this idea that one night we would go out and we would wear that $20 pantyhose, we'd wear those terrible heels, we'd wear the shiny, cheap wig we bought off AliExpress. <laughs> And we'd have the time of, our, time of our life. And I was lucky enough in that period of time that I had a friend that stood up and had my back and someone that I could lean on 
and someone that I could talk to and I could say, hey, I'm still not okay. It's been a month or it's been two months and I need someone to come around and cry with right now. And he started inviting me out to these parties and they were really important to me because these were watch parties with other young gay men and women watching RuPaul's Drag Race, the thing that was so special to me and my boyfriend. And so I went to a number of these and I, I felt so at home. I felt this thing that I had clung to with my boyfriend and had clung to after his death. I now had something to share with other people and I developed a really close relationship with these people. And each night would have a theme. And one particular night was, uh, I think it was, the theme was just drag. The, uh, the organizer hadn't particularly thought of what it was. And it was like, we're watching Drag Race. We should put wigs on or be, be as gay as you can, be as draggy as you can. And I thought to myself, this, this is the night where I'm going to do it. And I, that week I went out and I bought the ridiculous expensive like clown face paint and the makeup. And I bought a whole bunch of basics. And I was like, this, this is the night that I'm doing it. I am going to walk out my house. I'm going to wear those cheap ass heels. I'm going to wear that nasty, shiny wig. And so I scrolled myself away in my parents' bathroom while they were away for the weekend. And my brother had no idea what I was doing. I, sh- I ended up shaving my legs because it was summer and there was no way I was wearing pantyhose. <laughs> so I spent two and a half hours shaving my entire body, um, just gearing myself up because this, this was the, this is something I'd been waiting for, something I'd wanted so badly to do. And I shaved my entire body and I spent two and a half hours doing some very crunchy, awful makeup. But I, I was all the way up in the mirror and my nose half, like a centimeter away from it, seeing all the pores in my face. <laughs> and for me, in that moment, it was not only so exciting, it was so fulfilling I was doing this very thing that I had never got to do with my partner Connor Connor wasn't there physically with me but I was fulfilling the wish that we together had had developed and thought of and coveted for so many months and weeks and I told my brother I was like oh we're just we're just going to this this fun party we're all just cross-dressing all the girls are dressing as boys and all the boys are dressing as girls and very, very few people were uh, in fact I was I was the only one there in drag everyone else just chucked glitter on their face but for me this <laughs> this was gonna happen come hell or high water and I turn up on the doorstep in my rickety heels and my bra that had been left from a pool party once upon a time and some <laughs> a, a nasty Hallenstein flannel shirt that I wrapped around my uh, waist and tied around this bra. And my friend opened the door and he didn't recognise me. But what he did do is he beamed the biggest smile I had I'd seen, like the biggest smile that I'd seen someone reply to just looking at me. And he didn't know who I was, he didn't recognise me, but he brought me in, he gave me a hug, he was like, oh, how are you, what's your name, blah, blah, blah. And I was gagged, he didn't recognise me, he didn't see me. I was in full fantasy, both in my head and for someone else for my fantasy to be projected. It was like a, such a fulfilling moment of um, this dream that I'd been coveting. And what was so important to me as well is that smile that it, just appearing had elicited it was like a rush of electricity and the rest of that night 
I got more of those reactions. My friends see me, oh my god, I never knew you'd do this sort of thing. Uh, like I'm, I'm not like a hypermasculine guy, but I work as a lifeguard. I don't have the most effeminate voice. Um, I'm not someone someone would traditionally think of as wanting to put on a dress and a wig. And to have elicit those reactions in my friends and to have them smile and have this like twinkle in their eye of unexpected joy was so important to me at that time because it brought me so much joy in a time where I had nothing else to make me happy. And what was would have originally just been a one-off a fantasy evening became a weekend thing, became an every weekend thing, became a over two and a half year thing. And here I sit today. Why I do drag is for that smile that I can bring, that joy that I can see in other people. I want to I want to create that fantasy and have people have a break, like give people a break from that nine to five, give people a break from whatever else is going on in their life. When they come up to me and I'm sitting at the bar or I'm about to do a performance, I want to be towering over them, covered in glitter, and them to not quite know who this fantastic beast or creation of a woman is, but to hold their, their attention, create this moment of social theatre for them. And that spark that I create for them is in me too. And that's the most powerful thing for me, and that's the reason that I do drag. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That would take incredible courage, so I just want to really recognise that because it was very vulnerable. So thank you. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. I, yeah, just amazing. I'm genuinely speechless. So your strength is really really admirable and thank you for um being open enough to talk about you know suicide and topics of that nature because we have to get better at doing that in this country so yeah thank you um on a different note why the hell are tights so expensive great question to know um as as with uh, any man that uh, walks through a woman's lingerie section, I pay very little attention to pricings and meanings, and uh, everything's overpriced. I'm just like, oh, it's fine. It's it's for women. There must be a reason. But the problem the problem is is that everyone, every man goes and goes. Oh, it's for women. It's for a reason. Um, and that that's a big problem. I Maybe think we should rethink that. It's just a crock. Like, oh, absolutely it's like it's like when women have to pay five dollars extra for the pink razor and it's marketing <laughs> so if if i can impress anything on anyone tonight um if you're going out to buy a razor don't buy that fucking pink one to pay five dollars extra <laughs> go buy the bulk pack of men's razors which are exactly the same and make those marketing people eat shit <laughs> yes Nobody needs to pay extra money just to have something with their, like, gender written on the top of it. It's nonsense. Literal 100% nonsense. Absolutely. 
Um, also, warehouse shoes. So, fun fact about my life. Used to work in the shoe department at the warehouse. I don't care. You must have seen plenty of bunions. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> yes. And also... Just put your fucking shoes back on the shelf. Oh, um, but my favourite thing was I can still spot warehouse shoe products like wherever. So I can be walking down Ponsonby and there'll be like this snooty ass lady living her best life in like full Gucci or something. And then I'll be like, girlfriend, that is a mayor shoe from the warehouse <laughs> that you brought that about yes. 18 months ago. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. I mean, I, I'm very much a, a big fan of living the full fantasy on a budget. Um, oh, hell yeah. Oh, go go for it. But when, when you start acting like that, full fantasy is the real thing, girl, please. Yeah. Settle, settle the kettle. Uh, we, we, all, we all tie our $25... Um, $25 warehouse, white, fake Adidas, one lace at a time. <laughs> yeah, you're not I, that much better than the rest of us. No, 100% not. Um, and the other thing that stood out to me is prep time. So the first time that you did drag, you were like, I was locked myself in the bathroom for two and a half hours. How long does it normally take you? Is it on a scale or what? Uh, so it's, it's on a scale for me. It depends on the gig, whether it's daylight, whether it's nighttime, mm-hmm. uh, how much time I have to get to the gig. Uh, ideally, I love having setting aside three hours to go from shaving the beard to getting into full drag that involves uh, full body wig and dress. Uh, I can do drag in, a, in an hour and a half. It won't be the full fat, like it won't be as fantastic mm-hmm. as three hours, but it is manageable. Uh, so I, ideally, three hours. But um, I know one queen that can do it in bloody half an hour. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. Her, maybe maybe she had a deal with Drew Blood because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they managed to do that. Yeah, I can't even. Just insane. Do you think that the part of the three-hour process is you taking that time to like find your way into the character as well? Uh, yes and no. Some some queens are really uh, character queens. They in they dive deep into this whole other person. Mm. Uh, for me, Siobhan is. Much like the name is the feminized version of uh, my masculine ident- like voice, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, name, uh, the character is, um, I like to think of it as like retail personality on steroids. So that a drag queen should be a constant entertainer, uh, constantly uh, full of platitudes, jokes, lovely, fantastic, um, the best hostess, the best person to talk to. So that's kind of what a retail worker is, is it not? Like someone who is, the customer's always right, they're always appeasing, they're always entertaining this customer. Oh, look at this fabulous show. It costs $5 less than the others, but I'll get $5 more commission, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and so for me, I don't, I don't really have this deep dive into a character. It's mm. more of that final five minutes of I've put on the lash. I've, like Once the lash, the lip, and the wig is on, oh, you can't tell me nothing, darling. Yes! That, that, that's where this whole voice comes from. It's like a, it's like a cat that's just lapped a bottle of milk, darling. Mmm, delicious. Oh, it, it doesn't make a sound effect. Right? There, there we go. <laughs> um, and do you have any shows coming up that we need to check out? Oh, yes, what? shows. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I just got so very excited. Uh, tomorrow night at the Vic in Devonport, I'm opening for the Rocky Horror 
uh, picture show, the Shadowcast performance. I believe that's uh, at 8.30. so to podcast listeners, you're probably going to miss out on that. But uh, for all of you lovely people that have made the trip out here to see me in drag tonight, uh, yes, that's right, podcast listeners. I am in full drag. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to describe it because I can't I can't just not share it with the, the I was going to call them viewers, listeners. I want to share the full fantasy. I'm in a beautiful uh, summer sea blue gown. It's, it's beaded and sequined and I'm shining it in everyone's face and I can see the little bits of blue everywhere. Um, I've also got uh, no nails on, uh, so fucking that idea of drag up. Um, I've got a lovely silver ring. I've got some fantastic clip-on earrings that cost me $12, but they look like $1,200. Um, <laughs> And this beautiful little uh, finger wave blonde hair. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And I wish you were here to see it. <laughs> so, guys, buy a ticket to the next water cooler. Although there won't be drag queens, but still do it because it's better in real life. Absolutely. They'll look fantastic. And if they're wearing a sequin gown, then you'll get to see it instead of listen to it. I mean, it's not very exciting to listen to a sequin gown. You're just having to deal with a drag queen that wants to show off that she owns a sequin gown and just won't shut up about it. Um, and in terms of you're on Facebook, Instagram, what's the deal? Where yes, can we find I'm you? I'm everywhere um, except for Twitter. I'm Shavorna on uh, Instagram. That's S H A V O R N A. My name is not Shavorna, though, as many people love to uh, hit me up as. My name is Shavorna Borealis. It's Shavorn and then an A on the end. Um, don't make that mistake. I might snap at you. Uh, but. Only a finger snap, though. I don't bite unless you want me to. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page or a, a, an actual Facebook f- uh, profile. You can add both. Uh, again, Siobhan, a Borealis, uh, a Borealis like the Northern Lights, Siobhan, uh, like the Westie spelling of, the, um, I think it's Irish, Irish name. Yeah, there's none of that S-I-O-H-B-H-A. I, I'm not going to spell finished spelling that because I spelled it wrong um, but it's S-H-A-V-O-R-N Amazing, thank you so much for your story tonight. Thank you for having me You're welcome Thanks guys for coming to the first water cooler of the year, it's been so great to have you all here um, A little bit of housekeeping stuff, so we are a monthly event Next month we are coming back with our second version of Mindful Menstruation at the Basement Theatre, which is on March the 21st at 8.30pm. Um, we are also a podcast, so you will there will be a recording of this that will go up online in about a week or so. And then... Um, we, there will be another we're doing a follow up podcast to this show talking more about what happened to the show and the stories and stuff that you can listen to a bit later on and then you can check all of our other podcasts out which is on the Little Empire Podcast Network um, and all of our upcoming shows for our next season are just on the business cards that are on the seats in front of you so you can find all of that information there or you can check us out on Facebook and if you have a story you want to tell chuck us a line um, through Facebook because we are really keen on everyone's stories thank you so much for coming (laughs) 